What does life look like after being diagnosed with Meniere's disease? Vestibular migraines, neuritis, BPPV, MDDS, or any other balance disorder? How do you accept the new normal and learn to live and manage all the symptoms associated with these disorders? This podcast will introduce you to vestibular warriors who share their healing journey, obstacles they have overcome, and ones they continue to struggle with. Pretty much anything and everything these disorders shake up in our lives. We will share stories that are honest and vulnerable. We laugh, we cry, but mostly we learn from and lean on each other so no one feels alone. Come be inspired and lean on a community that will empower you. You don't have to navigate these turbulent waters alone. I feel I must mention by listening to this podcast, you agree not to use this podcast as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or consultations with your healthcare professionals. We're here to share stories and give hope. Please consult your own physician for any medication questions or medical issues that you may be having. Our bodies are uniquely ours, and something that may work for one person may not necessarily work for you. Hi everyone, I'm Heather Davies, and this is Meniere's Muse. This week, I'm talking with Eugenia about her journey with vestibular migraine and Meniere's disease. She will share her workarounds, which are items that she adjusted in her life for more independence. Through these changes, she was able to discover many blessings she may never have encountered was it not for her vestibular dysfunction. She will also be sharing about an exciting new member of her family that will be helping her gain confidence with her mobility challenges. Welcome, Eugenia. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me. Yeah. So um, I just wanted you to tell us a little bit about your vestibular journey. So I think my vestibular journey story is a lot like everybody's <laughs> journey, um, where it started with um, symptoms that couldn't be explained issue was. And I, what it was is I kept um, twisting my ankles. I twist pretty regular a couple times a month um, in fall. And so I actually ended up going to see, I guess what it was. <laughs> and the podiatrist said, Oh, I see that you know you were a you were a figure skater. And I think that what you've done is that your your um, ankle muscles are loose and he described it as like a rubber band who's you know been used too much and he said i think we need to give you surgery to tighten those ankle muscles and then they won't roll so easily anymore and i remember thinking oh just you know i don't like surgery let me do a little bit more digging into why this is happening and so i didn't end up having that surgery thank god so i kind of kept checking on my different symptoms um, for instance, um, big box stores um, or grocery stores or any kind of stores that had aisles and lights and shiny floors and things like that were causing me issues. Right. Right. And yeah. And, and when I say issues, I mean, it was to the point where like my legs would freeze up when I would try to walk into these places. And I thought, oh my God, what's going on now? 
So I went to see a doctor who sent me to a psychiatrist because they thought maybe I had agoraphobia. Um, but that didn't sit well with most of my friends and family that know me well. I'm like, you know, she's definitely not agoraphobic. It, again, it was just kind of a collection of these really random things kept happening. And I'm talking over a period of years where um, it just kind of started getting worse and worse. And um, during that time, I did have what I now know is a drop attack where um, they thought maybe I had had a heart incident. Mm. Um, so I saw a cardiologist and I had a bunch of um, heart tests done. Um, then when they realized it wasn't that, and I kept telling everybody I was so dizzy, um, they, um, sent me to a neurologist and the neurologist said everything was fine. So I kept getting all these clean bills of health. And I, but I think one thing that's super important to, to realize now, and now if I, if I could give anybody who's kind of in that beginning of the journey advice, I would say, you know, you've got to be your own advocate and you have to kind of yell at the top of your lungs. Like. I'm sorry, but something's wrong here and I'm not going to stop until somebody says, yes, we see something's wrong and I'm going to help you. So um, I can't remember off the top of my head, like the next step. Um, How long in, was it between um, your first incident, like with the, with your falls from that point to when you were first diagnosed? I was in my twenties and I don't think I had my first diagnosis until I was in my forties. Wow. So, I mean, we, we kept trying different things to see if it was a heart thing or a neurological thing. And then they would try putting me on anti-anxieties thinking maybe it was an anxiety issue, you know? So there, right. there was, yeah, I don't think my first real diagnosis wasn't until Mayo, which was in the early 2000s yeah probably my my late 30s early 40s kind of a turning point in the entire thing was i did a questionnaire for mayo before my appointment and it asked me are you able to walk into a grocery store yeah. And I yeah. remember I just started bawling yeah. because I was like, oh my God, they know, what, the right it place. They know what it is. You know? Yeah. I was so excited. I was beside myself because that, because I mean, come on, tell anybody, you know, one of my symptoms is I can't go into a grocery store and they're like, you're crazy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, yeah, so that was really exciting. And that was on my way to Mayo's. So I had this like unbelievable amount of hope for my may you know my mayo visit um so i met with the doctor i did all the testing and he said i'm i know what you have i'm almost 100 sure about it and um so that really gave me a ton of hope well it turns out what i i didn't have what he thought i had um so at the end of the day my mayo visit ended with them saying oh so sorry yeah you've got a vestibular order disorder for sure we know that we just don't know what it is and we don't know why you have it and yeah sorry about that good luck though you know was my mayo adventure uh, did they put that, you any of the testing that. um the vng or any of that stuff there no none of it nothing yeah, yeah. so i wasn't gonna stop at that one um, I knew, I knew there was more, at least I knew it was a vestibular disorder at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. So, um, 
I, that my next step was at University of Michigan where they did do all that testing. I don't want to discourage anybody from going to Mayo because it, it, you know, Mayo can be a wonderful hospital. And this is the one in Jacksonville, by the way. I think we had this discussion. I think we saw the same doctor and we had completely different experiences. experiences. And that's what I think that's really important to note because I don't want to discourage anybody from going to a doctor that could help them. But think that they were pretty sure that it was vestibular migraines. They could see that there was something going on with my right inner ear, but they didn't know what it was, but they basically left me kind of in, in a hanging feeling or a hanging position. So I live half the year in Michigan. And it's funny because when I first started going to Michigan in the summers, I just did it because it made me feel better. Right. I had it never occurred to me that it was tied to my health issues. Mm -hmm. Later, of course, now I realize that the summer storms in Florida are more than I can handle because of the pressure changes and things like that. But I didn't know that. I just knew that I felt better in Michigan in the summer. Yeah. So, it is, so it's really funny how we kind of change our lives to uh, compensate for it when we don't even realize we're doing it. Right. So I was living in Michigan and I kept hearing about University of Michigan and how amazing it was. And so I went to um, this doctor in Michigan. This whole experience was just a really, really positive experience for me. And what they did is they did all of the testing. Mm -hmm. And as they were doing the testing, they um, would spin the computer around and kind of explain the results of it and explain to me, you know, okay, this is why we did it. And this is your results. And this is what we're thinking nice, through the nice. whole day. That's great. Yeah. So by the time I made it to the actual doctor's office and this other doctor came in as well, um, I had a pretty good idea that some, you know what I mean? I had kind of a solid idea of what was going on. And so we had a great conversation. His diagnosis was Meniere's and vestibular migraines. Now you, and now Mayo had also said vestibular migraines. So that part didn't surprise me. The Meniere's part surprised me. I just didn't know a ton about it. And I, I, I guess I had not guessed that that was what was what I had or anything like that. I wasn't upset because I think like a lot of other people, when you are given a name yeah. for what you have, you're so relieved. You're like, okay, I've got a name. So I now know what to do. You know, right. it's that unknown. Um, yeah. His only concern was I don't, I didn't, and I don't have bad hearing. So he, in his notes, he says, you know, I'm going with Meniere's disease. My concern is her hearing is really good for a Meniere's disease patient. So I just kind of let it go at that um, because with Meniere's, there's certain things you can do to help mitigate, you know, your symptoms and, and to feel good. So I'm like, okay, that's it. I got this, you know, and I, um, I've been getting worse since COVID, so this is zooming forward. I got COVID in November of not this past November, the November before, and I got it pretty bad. It, it turned into pneumonia and it took me months. I mean, just months before I could feel even remotely normal. And it made all of my vestibular issues 
so much harder. You know, I, I was like having a really hard time just getting up and walking to the kitchen. And as a vestibular patient, I know one of the most important things I need to do every day is get up and no matter how sick I feel, you know, you got to get out, you got to walk, you got to swim, you've got to golf, whatever you've got to do, you got to get out or else, you know, you can just make it worse and worse. So I was, I was getting worse and worse. And that's why I made the appointment with this doctor in Tampa in order to kind of see if I could, if there was some, I kept thinking there's gotta be some sort of research or something being done with long haulers and meneers and you know, all this stuff. So I'm like, this guy's gotta have an idea of a way to help me kind of get back on my feet again. At this point you had quit, you've quit driving. Five or six years ago, I quit driving. Right. So I, <laughs> that's kind of a funny story. So I was driving it turns out I was swerving. I kept saying to my best friend, I'm like, God, have you noticed how bad drivers are these days? They're swerving everywhere. And he's like, Eugenia, they're, they're not the ones swerving. Oh no. So that's when I realized like, okay, I could hurt somebody. I've got to stop driving. And, and that's the, the Island that I chose to live on in Michigan actually had no cars. So that was one of the reasons I chose it was perfect. You know, I don't have to worry about that. I can walk <laughs> anywhere, you know, this doctor I saw because of COVID causing, you know, kind of an exasperation of symptoms. And so like every doctor, when you haven't seen somebody for a while, they want you to go through the whole testing process again. Right. And when he saw me, he said, I think there's a chance you don't have Meniere's. I think for a lot of people, they're going to be like, well, Eugenia, why weren't you like throwing a party? <laughs> you know, um, instead I walked out of his office and I sat on the stoop in front of the hospital for like hours trying to process what he had just told me. Um, and it really shook me to the core. Um, I felt the right word because you know for five or six years at that point or maybe longer i had owned that this is what i had this was right. my battle and this is you know I'm, I'm i'm yeah i was i was at acceptance exactly and i i was feeling like i i got this you know what i mean also like a lot of other Meniere's patients i had been breathlessly awaiting the results of that new treatment that they think they're going to be coming out with in 2023. I'm, I think you and I have had talks about that. I had very high hopes for that. As a matter of fact, I even went online and picked out the car I was going to buy <laughs> when I started feeling well enough to drive again. So yeah, that, that took me for a loop, but then I thought, well, maybe, maybe he's wrong. You know, I'll go through the day of testing. And the other reason that I wanted to do that was he mentioned, you know, there's all of these vestibular um, disorders out there, you know, maybe this, you know, maybe you don't have many years, but maybe you have one that can be treated. You know what I mean? Like he gave me some reasons that I would want to try to test. So I came back and did all the testing and, um, he, 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 again, came up with that. He thought it's not Meniere's. Was that um, only because of the, um, you don't have any hearing loss. It's a hundred percent because of that. Okay. So he's able to see 
I think it's called hypofunction when, you know, the one side, your ears not functioning hundred. So he's able to see that. Um, and he, and also the test that tests the fluid there is. So everything else points to my ears, but because my hearing it's actually exceptional, <laughs> which is great. Cause I mean, I've just assumed I was going deaf this whole time. So I was like waiting for that shoe to drop, but no, right. my, my hearings. It, and what's really interesting too. And I I'd be curious to see if other people have this as well. When you look at my hearing test, it is literally like above average, like perfect hearing, except for one spot on both ears where it goes way, way down. And that is the same frequency that I hear with my tonight tonight yes they actually um it's so funny you mentioned that because i just heard um an audiologist mention that today that usually the the tinnitus the tone that you're hearing is the frequency at which your loss is at if that makes any sense did that make sense yes okay yeah so that tone that because i hear a very low tone but see mine fluctuates so yeah, but that's interesting. So if you look at my test, it's perfect, perfect, perfect. And then it does this like boom, you know, drop off on both ears at the exact same frequency. I think that's it's really interesting. But I remember the very first appointment I ever had at University of Michigan, the doctor asked me if I had, you know, that that buzzing or ringing in my ears. And I said, oh yeah, but I only have it first thing in the morning. And then right before I go to sleep and he goes, is there a chance that's the only quiet time you have in your day? You do <laughs> right. So it's there <laughs> all day and you just don't notice it. <laughs> exactly. Oh, so it was funny. Cause after that, sure enough, I would, I would try to get into a, like a really quiet situation. So, and, and it is there, it's there all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I just really only notice it. Like I especially notice it when I'm trying to fall asleep. Isn't that interesting? That was recently that you found out that you may have been misdiagnosed with Meniere's. Right. As a matter of fact, that's why I scheduled this call with you after it, because what I wanted to do was I wanted to have my results from that test. And so I'm still very much processing it. As a matter of fact, when he, when he came into the room and he said, you, you don't have Meniere's, I started crying. I mean, and again, I'm sure anybody who doesn't, who hasn't been through this is like, that's crazy. <laughs> but um, it's really hard when you, um, I have the type of personality where if you tell me, Eugenia, this is what I need you to do, or Eugenia, right. this is what I need you to battle, I will research it to the m degree my husband's been researching it my my family's been you know researching this um i i've done everything i possibly could for meniere's and it just feels a little bit like a step backwards because his answer was we don't know what this actually is my gut is telling me it's not meniere's which is, that's very hard, I think, for anybody to hear is like, yeah, <laughs> you're screwed up, but we don't know what it is, you know? But they're still um, saying the vestibular migraines is still... Um, that's something. what his, yeah. His opinion is that the majority of um, my symptoms come, and this is actually what the University of Michigan and the Mayo doctors all kind of agree on, is that the majority of my symptoms are vestibular migraine symptoms. Right. Like I have extreme sensitivity to light and sound. Um, and 
like movement and patterns. And I mean, it is literally a nightmare when I walk into a building and they've got like a patterned floor and fluorescent, <laughs> you know, lights and, you know, all of these things. So that, that is the majority of what um, my symptoms are. He said that um, he felt like my brain had done a great job compensating for my inner ear disorder um, because, you know, they did the, the test where they spin the chair around real fast and then I have to draw a straight line and I did a pretty good job. He said it leans to the left, which means something about the right. But um, he said I did a pretty good job so that my brain is doing a good job of compensating for that. So he thinks that most of my symptoms are the vestibular migraine. Have you had a vertigo attack in a while? I'm having one as we speak right now. No, I, I, I'm sitting here um, and I can see outside and things are, you know, it's, there's some sort of pressure coming in right now oh, yeah. or something yes. happening. So I've, I've had a bad couple of days. Um, this winter's actually been a hard winter and I think it's got everything to do with these pressure changes. Yeah, and we're you not used to that many down here this time of year, you know, no. fronts and then they go away and then right. stabilizes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely, I would say at least once a day this winter, I've had trouble in, in one way or another. And my husband always can tell when I'm having trouble, he, he can tell by just looking at my eyes or the way that I'm walking or sometimes, um, when I'm trying to pretend like I'm not having trouble, I'll stumble on words or reach for words. Mm -hmm. And I just have that brain fog. Yeah. And he's like, he's like, I know you're having trouble. You know? <laughs> just tell me already. Just tell me. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's one thing I feel like is so important. And that's why when you, when you asked if I wanted to do this podcast, I was like, yes, I do. I feel like it's so important um, to talk to people about this and to, to to share these things with your family and with your husband and with your friends, because, you know, it's, it is a hidden, um, and I don't want to call it disease because I don't even know what, what it is that I have, but it is hidden. And, and every one of my friends constantly tells me, we forget Eugenia because you're so independent and you, you know, work so hard to kind of lead a normal life. We forget that there's anything going on with you. So I feel like that that um communication about what's going on with you is incredibly important it is it is i've i even um even scrolling through facebook and seeing you out playing golf and i'm like wow she's doing great and then i'll talk to you a couple of days later i'm like oh you were you were having a rough time but you, <laughs> you're doing it you know yeah. um, the way we do push ourselves yeah can you um share with us because i don't hear this too often in this community about uh the new man in your life <laughs> um, I know, I know, I know. Um, it's funny because I literally dream about the, you know, almost every night he, he is very much my new man. So, um, when I was at university of Michigan, um, they did a balance test that told you how good your balance was basically. And, and, um, my balance was very bad. Um, and he suggested on days that are bad days for me that I use a walker. And my ego was like, 
I'm sorry. I'm in my 40s. <laughs> like at the right. time I think I was 40 years old. I'm like, I'm not gonna get a walker. No, I was I was like 35. I'm like, I'm not gonna get a walker. It's just not gonna happen. So um I did some research on mobility dogs and there there's just not a ton of information out there. And I'm 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 a little researcher. So I was surprised not to be able to find more than I was able to find. And the second thing I found is that it's incredibly expensive and hard to get a mobility dog. So I put myself on, on lots of lists. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like 10 applications out there for me. Um, and so, um, waited and waited and it was almost six years later that I saw an ad for a used model. <laughs> 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 I know my precious used model. Um, he is a mobility dog that was trained um, for a woman that had a vestibular disorder and she passed away, not from the vestibular disorder, she from old age and he was being rehomed. And so he was a discount model. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but because um, he had to be trained for my specific needs, he went back to training um, and he's been there um, since November, or I'm sorry, since August. Wait, somewhere around August or September, somewhere right. around there. Um, and what they do is they train him for my specific needs. Then once he's 100% trained, then they train me with him um and that's where we're at right now which is which has that's been really exciting it's just been amazing. yeah it's been super exciting because it's you know i'm i'm just a very very independent person and i like to be able to do things on my own and um unfortunately for the last few years doing things on my own has become extremely difficult I, if i don't know exactly where i'm going where i'm sitting how I'm going to get from the vehicle in, you know what I mean? I, I just don't, won't go. I, it's very difficult for me to go at all. Um, a lot of times I'll even do like a dry run or I'll look it up online and see, you know, what kind of flooring, what kind like what to expect. Usually have an escape route. Mm -hmm. When I said the quietest place, especially when my hyperacusis is in flare, the quietest place in near a door or a bathroom. Yep. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Isn't that interesting? Exactly. And so what was super exciting for me was um, when I started actually using the dog with the harness and that feeling of it just, the only word I have is solid. Mm. Um, there's just a solid feeling of that third point of contact that feels so good. And I was a little bit like, well, how's this going to work? And how's this going to feel? Cause he's moving and he's a dog and you know what I mean? Like, is this going to really feel that stable? it really um, blew me away. And I, I look forward to um, being able to have you try it so that you can see if you have the same sensation yeah. of solidity. Um, I don't often feel solid on my feet. I feel very swimmy most of the time. And so this makes me feel super solid. And when I have really bad, bad um, attacks, because I've had this for so many years, I'm almost always extremely aware of a circumstances in which it can happen and b when it's about to happen. Right. So exactly. I actually have time 
to get to a safe place, to get somewhere to sit down before the attack starts. Because once the attack starts, it's going so fast. It's really hard. I get very disoriented. It's very hard to find a safe place. So he's trained to find the closest chair or bench or wall or whatever he can find if I give him the signal that I'm about to have an attack. And they actually believe if we're together long enough that he'll be able to sense an attack on his own. Mm-hmm. That's, awesome. Um, That's awesome. Which, I mean, if that were the case, I could, I just can't even imagine how cool that would be, but <laughs> I'm able, but I'm able, I have not had an attack in the last maybe four or five years where I didn't feel it coming on well before it happened. That's good. That's um, good. Yeah. Yeah. And then, um, been able to get somewhere safe or if somebody's with me a lot of times I'll hold on to both their arms look right into their eyes and and that way my eyes will stop moving and I can kind of focus on something so either one of those but if I'm alone that's what's so nice about having this dog is that um is that I will be able to be brought somewhere um safe and that if I were to collapse which has not happened in a while um, but if I were, then there's medical information right there. And it's not like people are wondering what in the world, why did this woman just collapse and then hit her head, you know? Right. So, so those are fears and I know they're not necessarily, I mean, come on, what are the chances of that really happening to me? I don't know. I've only had that happen one time and I was with people that did know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But unfortunately the fear is there. Sure. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, I actually went to the point of getting a, a medical alert bracelet just because I hope I never need it, but because I have it, I just makes me feel more comfortable because right. I'm out there without anybody. And like right. before we got on the call talking about people thinking that you're impaired, drunk or, you know, whatever else. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So interesting. Cause that is what they thought when I, cause one of the attacks I was out and, and we don't know what happened or how it happened, but I literally was just out. I woke up and I'm on the floor. Is, um, is alcohol a trigger for you? No, it's been the opposite. Again, another really strange thing. And, and this is stumping the doctor as well, or, or I shouldn't say stumping him, but he didn't seem to really fully connect this, but in the past when i'm dizzy or not feeling great if i have a cocktail a lot of times i feel better Hmm. do you think it's anxiety like anxiety no he was explaining something about how alcohol like constricts or does something to your inner ears i don't know so um there's no question i have anxiety when i'm out there's no question. And I think anybody who's not feeling solid on their feet, trying to walk around is going to feel a little bit anxious about it. Absolutely. I don't feel like, and the reason I'm saying this so unbelievably clearly is that I went and looked for it. So when we were at the mall is if I can get through that and then have a cocktail, it does seem to help with the symptoms. And I, I have heard that from other vestibular warriors too. I I'm unfortunately not one of those. I can have one glass and be fine, but any more than that, um, I'm not well. Yeah. The pressure and the fullness and stuff, but, um, I have heard that before. Have you, um, done any VRT vestibular rehab? 
in the past? I have, and I found it to be extremely helpful for what I'm now kind of seeing. And I feel like this is going to be something that I'm going to spend some real time researching is sometimes what is helping me for the vestibular is not necessarily helping for the migraine. Do you see what I'm saying? So what helps you with your vestibular symptoms does not necessarily help you with your vestibular migraine. Right. Exactly. I feel like there's a chance. And I, again, I don't know enough about this to feel like I'm really speaking, you know, it's more of a question. I feel like there's got to be something that could help with both. Um, with the vestibular migraines, one thing I don't know is I do not feel like I can become desensitized to light and sound. I feel like I need to listen to my body when it's saying, I really need you to not be in a room that has strobe lights right now. You know what I mean? Instead of like immersing myself in it, who knows? But I, I'm just saying that that's been very tough for me. Do you have hyperacusis? Is that where sound is very hard for me? Yes. 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 As a matter of fact, I, I, if, if Kevin drops a fork on our countertop, it starts me spinning so bad. I have to grab for something. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And it, and it hurts like a physical pain. Yes. Do you yes. Have it, that? Yes, I do. It's like piercing in the ear, but it vibrates down my entire body. And yes. There's, there's oh no my. other yeah. way to describe it. Oh, it's I in my, it. I've said that to Kevin so many times. I'm like, it's in my entire body. Yes. It's so strange how something can pierce it. And I find myself holding my breath and tensing. I freeze. Yeah. It's like a game of freeze frame until that passes. And then even after it passes, I still carry that weight for a little while. And people think that I'm over-exaggerating about it. Like, like one of my, my um, family members slid a sliding glass door that made this like sound as it was sliding. And I just went <gasps> like this, like <laughs> it was just, it was so painful. And it was, again, it was in, and I was, I was waiting for the, the spins to start from it. It actually, for that particular incident, I don't think it did. But it was just like this, re, this, I, I'm sure anybody looking at the situation that d- wasn't inside my head would be like, whoa, drama queen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I even get that. I'm like, really? Am I just, no, that I am feeling this. I used to be so yeah. sensitive and um, my yeah. biggest, my biggest was my daughter's voice when I was, oh, oh, oh. Was terrible. When this is when I first started having symptoms, I would wear um, earmuffs that you would wear at a shooting range over years, just so I can tolerate being in the same room with her. (gasps) Yes. But it's gotten better, but it's, um, oh, I know exactly what you mean. It's one of the, it's one of my most debilitating symptoms besides the vertigo. Well, I was worried when we decided to help with the twins, Mm Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do when they're like screaming? You know what I mean? Right. But do you know, right. I haven't, it, it's, it's a tone that doesn't seem to. It's so yeah. different. It, it, and it varies from day to day. Oh, see mine, mine, mine is that sharp. Like we don't, <laughs> and it's funny. Cause one of the things I was going to talk about in this with you, and I, I have a list of them is like all of I call them my workarounds. You know what I mean? Like how I've, how I've done all these workarounds in order to try and be comfortable in my life. 
Well, one of the things that I did that I wouldn't normally have done, but I just wanted them so bad is we put marble countertops in our kitchen, which, which <laughs> was probably not the best decision, you know, moving forward, but we did get rid of all of our, um, China plates and we just have plastic plates because that okay. isn't as I was hard trying to visualize your husband the chef cooking and oh, putting things oh. on paper plates <laughs> so here's what's so funny is that he said he said it's the hardest thing because he was still working when we first got married and he's like it was the hardest thing because he'd be in this massive kitchen with all these people and he'd be like putting the pots down very carefully so that they don't make it he found himself doing it even at work and he's so conscientious of it here Aww. it really yeah he 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 knows and i i one thing that's nice and and um i'm i'm sure a lot of people have the same kind of issue is one thing that's nice is my husband not only knows but he believes right you know what i mean yes. yeah like he he knows that it's hard on me. He believes that it's hard on me. And so he really works to not, I think a lot of people are like, Oh God, just oversensitive. You're oversensitive or you're no, you're not, you're not oversensitive. This no. really is something that is a, you know, but I, I was going to tell you here are, here are my workarounds. <laughs> Should I tell you my workarounds now? Okay. So here are my workarounds. First off, stress i think for everyone is a trigger i mean huge trigger I, I don't i don't i don't care if it's veneers that i have or vestibular migraines or whatever i mm -hmm. i know um one of my biggest stresses i mean one of my biggest triggers is stress because when i'm totally calm and totally relaxed i'm much more able to handle my symptoms and deal and, and prevent symptoms so I closed down my office. I owned a, I own an ad agency and I had a staff of 21 and in order to sustain a staff of 21, you have to have a lot of accounts. And a lot of those accounts are accounts that you wouldn't normally have chosen to work with, but you have to keep them on because you have to sustain this staff. So I closed down my office um, and we, we're really lucky that all of my staff were able to get really good jobs. But I, what I did was I went down to like my four favorite clients and that I have really good relationships with. I have talked to them about what I have and how it, it is debilitating on certain days. But the great news is that I can work around that. I make my own hours. Nice. So, um, but that explains to them why you know, if we're supposed to meet on a Monday on occasion, I'll have to change it to a Tuesday or if they see me and I look completely whacked out on some kind of drug <laughs> right. that I'm not, you know, right. and it's funny because some of them now even call me out on it. They're like, Whoa, you're having a day, aren't you? And I'm like, yeah, really. <laughs> That's um, yeah. So that was a really hard conversation. I think it's a hard conversation for anybody, but especially if you want to make sure your client still believes in you and knows you can do the work and all that so that's a tough conversation because you're 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 wanting them to still have faith in you but um but at the same time i feel like it is a conversation especially for me and what i do for a living that they needed to hear so i did that um, i'm so glad you, you mentioned that because i hear so much in the community um 
people don't know how to tell their supervisors or their bosses that right. having this issue. And um, when I was working for the organization I worked for for um, almost 18 years, I had to have that conversation if I wanted to um, stay working. Right. I was so surprised that um, they made accommodations for me. Um, they did it as long as they could until my symptoms were so bad. I had to take a step down after six months, but six months they worked with me but right. that's because I, I just put it all out there. Um, so yeah, I, I have no idea how people that have a schedule and have what we have keep to a schedule. <laughs> I'm like, there's just no way I could do that. Like if my job was the Monday through Friday, 8.30 to 5.30, I would find that very difficult because luckily I can do my job anytime. And there are times I'm clear as a bell at three o'clock in the morning. You better know it. I'm on my computer working at three o'clock right. in the morning. I'm clear, you know? Right. So I do think that that's something that's difficult. And I do think that you know, if anybody were asked my advice, like looking for a job where you do have that flexibility in hours, because your brain still works, you know what I mean? It just doesn't always work when you want it to work <laughs> as clearly as you want it to do, but you still can, you know, you still have that to give, you know? The other thing I did um, was I went gluten-free. You did. And you and found a big difference with that? Oh, I mean, night and day, night and day. And I mean, I'm talking across the board with a lot of issues. Wow. So my doctor had told me, and I, if you have inflammatory disorders or mm -hmm. inflammatory diseases, glutens actually aggravate inflammatory anything. Mm -hmm. So that's why, you know, he had me go off of them because of COVID. Um, Cause I had that terrible COVID cough forever after COVID. Well, as soon as I went off gluten's, my cough pretty much cleared completely up. I know, I know, I wow. know. I, still I have know. That cough. You guys might, I know it's hard to tell people to do that because mm -hmm. it's a big, it's a big change, but at the same time they, you know, they, there's so many people that are gluten-free now that there's yeah, so many nothing. really great products out there. Okay. So we talked a little bit about this, but one thing that I I'm I really wish that more people knew about the benefits of the hand-eye coordination from golf. Mm. Like I will have the dizziest day in the world and get out there and start golfing. And people are like, well, how do you do that? And how do you swing? And I'm like, I do it badly. I am a terrible <laughs> golfer. I literally am like the worst golfer you've ever seen. But you're but doing I, it. But I'm, but it is so helpful for me. Really? And I think that I, I, I have no idea. I'm not a physical therapist, so I have no idea how or why this is helpful, but a couple things that it does, A, it gets you outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah. B, it's safe. You're in a cart 90% of the time you get out of the cart, you swing, you get back in the cart. So it's not like you're doing anything that's like, you know, you have to hike up a mountain and look over a cliff. You know what I mean? Like this is, right. this is a very safe way of getting exercise. The other thing is, is that when you're swinging, that's using almost all of your body and you're yeah, moving so. and you're, yeah. you're using your body and you're moving and you're outside and you're getting fresh air. And then the other thing is when you're, when you're hitting the ball, what, um, it was really interesting. I, um, golf pros, 
was in Tampa and she actually worked with a golfer who had a vestibular disorder. So she actually knew what she, you know, to tell me to do. And what she said was use your, use your um, golf club and kind of hit it against the ground, feel where the ground is, like find the ground. Mm -hmm. That way, when you swing, you're, you've already, you've already mentally found where that ground is. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yes. So I found that to be incredibly helpful. So like I said, you're outside, you're, you're using your entire body and you're doing this kind of hand-eye coordination. So there's no question in my mind that my golfing has helped me quite a bit. Um, quite a bit. The other exercise that I do is swimming. And it was interesting because on one of these Facebook pages that I was on for Meneer support, somebody asked, you know, what kind of exercises are you guys doing in order to try and keep fit? And I said, you know, the only thing I can do that I feel a hundred percent safe and comfortable doing is swimming. And I mean, when I say I do, I can, I can do it for like an hour. Cause it feels so good. Mm. Um, now I'm not doing like, you know, calisthenics or anything, you know, I'm, I'm not right. doing anything like really, really big in here, but again, you're outside, you're moving your entire body and, um, you're doing it safely. And I don't know about you, but in the water is one of the only places I feel a hundred percent like stable and solid because mm-hmm. you're basically being held up by the water. Um, but also I know God forbid I fall or whatever doing something I'm falling into water. Mm -hmm. Now people that have chronic, uh, attacks, obviously I'm, I'm thinking this is probably not the most, you know, um, you have to know your limits. You really do. Yeah. But for me, it's huge. And, and I know a lot of people, on this Facebook page, we're writing underneath me saying that I love swimming. We're like, well, that's just incredibly dangerous. And you know, you shouldn't be doing that, you know, and, and I have not found it to be for myself. Now I don't put my head underwater and that's probably a big part of what they were thinking was so dangerous. That's, I don't put, I don't put a, you know, I just, I work out and I even have little five pound weights that I use in my, (laughs) I know. And I love it. I just love it. Um, we talked about Luke. Mm-hmm. which I think is my favorite workaround. Yeah. Um, so because awesome. I, I can't wait to meet him. Oh, I just can't wait. You know, there's just nothing, there's no words until you actually, there's no words. And then here's the other thing too, is remember it's a comfort. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So not only is he your stability and also your kind of your emergency help, God forbid you need it. There's that comfort Right now, here's what I was worried about. I was super worried about, um, I don't uh, like, I'm the person that wears muted clothing, <laughs> muted tones, <laughs> right? You know what I mean? Like, and, and does not like, like, you know, call it, calling any kind of attention to myself. And so <laughs> oh, 
walking around with this absolutely beautiful dog with a big harness on him. So there's no question it calls attention to you. You know what I mean? So you kind of almost have to desensitize yourself to that, Mm -hmm. Um, which is one of the things that I like when we were at the mall, I was trying to get used to the fact that people are staring, literally openly staring at you and taking videos and pictures of you. And you're like, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, But that's that's one thing that about mobility dogs but the the positive is that they're looking at the dog they're not looking at you you know what i mean i think my other workaround is um i have certain restaurants that i frequent um because again i feel like it's so important to get out of your house right um so there's certain restaurants that i go to and i know where the bathroom is I know how slippery the floor is. I know how tall the ceilings are. I know how loud it is in certain areas of the restaurant, you know, and I find that having those, and you might, you might've been the one that said like those safe places or, or, you know what I mean? I feel like those are so important because of the fact that you need to get out. Right. You know what I mean? Yep. Absolutely. Well, this has been fun. You, I don't even know what we talked about because we talked about so much. (laughs) It's good. (laughs) I know. I'm hoping it was somewhat helpful because I feel like um, when you're first starting all this, it's, uh, it's so scary. It is. You know what I mean? And I, I, I think that what you're doing is so important because I think people really need to hear other people's stories and they need to hear other people's success stories. Right. And, right. and um, my success has come from all of these workarounds. And my hope for doing this is that people can see, oh, wow. Okay. So you can run a company. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can have a very successful family life. Mm-hmm. I won't yeah. be able to run a marathon anytime soon, <laughs> but that's that's okay. (laughs) Right. You know what I mean? Like, yep. Yeah. But you're golfing and swimming and you're, yeah. And it can just seem, and I know that depression is a big part of all this because it can just seem so, um, God, I guess hard is the right word. Right. But, but, but there's absolutely light at the end of this tunnel. Um, and, and that dark moment that you feel, I don't think I know anybody who's ever had to go through anything like this. that doesn't feel that, you know what I mean? Right. And, and I think, um, we have to know it's okay to lean on the community. And that was my biggest thing when I was at the beginning of this, I didn't want to bother quote unquote, anybody with this. But once I found a community that I could lean on, I was able to pull myself. Yeah. Um, because yeah, well, I found you through Veda. So I I think very highly of Veda. (laughs) For helping me find you because how many times have I messaged you in the middle of the night or in the middle of a day like oh my yeah. god help me yeah. <laughs> yeah Veda is amazing for that they connect a lot of people it's pretty cool well Eugenie yeah. it's been really great having you on today I, I love it and we're, I'm going to probably have to have you on after you get Luke in your life and we find out more about that is there any way that we can support you um, find you so um, anybody who would like to hear more about Luke and I, and also um, I'm working with my trainer to get more information for people that are interested in getting their own 
vestibular, uh, I'm sorry, mobility dogs. I'm going to start an Instagram page called Luke the leader. Aww. And yeah, he's my little leader. And I'm, I'm going to try and put as much information as I can on that page. I, for the moment, um, I'm keeping it private because we haven't told even some of my family members that I'm okay. getting this job because he hasn't graduated yet. So until right. he, he still has to pass his course, you know <laughs> what I mean? Once he passes that course, we know, but I don't want to like have this huge Instagram. No, <laughs> well, I can post that once he graduates. Uh, <laughs> once he graduates, Eugenia, I can post that in, um, in the notes section, a link. Oh yeah. Yeah. That'd you. be great. That'll yeah. be great. Yeah. I'd love that. Reach out with any, you know, anybody, whoever wants to ask any questions, I, I think you can tell by podcast here that I'm an open book and I'm, <laughs> I'm more than willing to answer any question that I, I mean, that I, if I could ever be of any help. Oh, well, we appreciate that. I can always connect them with you before I let you go. Um, I wanted to end with a little something fun. Um, so I have a few whirlwind questions for you. <laughs> Are you ready? Okay. Yes. <laughs> okay. You're not being graded or anything. Okay. Okay. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, so fill in the blank. Vestibular disorders are blank. Hard. That's true. They are. You feel your symptoms coming on and you're trying to be brave. What's the first thing that you do? Smile. Aw, it's contagious. <laughs> one thing um people usually get wrong about you oh that's a tough one what do people i, I don't know you met me you, you, you <laughs> probably could answer that um i think people usually nail it <laughs> again what you I'm pretty see is what you get <laughs> well that's exactly it i tr i don't i don't have much of a hidden anything yeah so, i'm yeah. the same way <laughs> Um, what is your favorite meal? And asking a chef's wife, this is kind of complicated. Oh my God. That is super complicated because it really, really is. Okay. My favorite meal is he makes this, um, I, you know what, I'm going to change it. Cause we just moved to Maine in the summers and we eat lobster 24 seven up there. And it's, oh, absolutely, my it's absolutely the lobster corn and, and, uh, and baked potato. Wow. I'm visiting you in Maine. <laughs> you should. You should. What is the last show you binged and loved? NCIS. Oh, I told one? you this on on your Facebook page. Yes. Wasn't that you asking for bingeable? Yeah, I, I was. I, you know why? Eighteen or nineteen. You know, <laughs> I saw that series or something, and I'm like. So I don't know about you, but I need white noise in the background sometimes when I'm trying to work. I just need that kind of way. So I, I don't even know what is going on, but <laughs> it's, it's there. It's there. Um, what's on your nightstand? Um, water on top of what I have two big jugs of water. My pill that I t told you I take now. Well, an activity that completely relaxes you. I'm swimming, swimming, swimming and going in the hot tub. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that just zones me out. I mean, swimming into me or being out anything to do with water, being on a boat or out on the water that, mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. What movie could you watch over and over and never tire of? I love the movie love actually. 
I do too. I, I, could, totally I could watch that every day and it just would make me cry and make me happy. <laughs> and yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. I'll have to rewatch it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. Let's see. What's a gift someone's given you that you treasure? So, um, my stepdaughter, the way she told me that she was having twins was she gave me this, um, Tiffany blue egg that had in gold on it. It said hatching November, 2021. Aww, and I just was, it's so funny. Cause I opened the box and I, I looked at it and I went, and my first thought was, oh, I love Tiffany Blue. And it was Easter. She gave it to me for Easter. So I'm like an egg for, you know, Tiffany right. Blue for Easter. Like it didn't, like nothing else occurred to me until I read it. And then I started, we were at the, we were at Rick's on the River um, <laughs> up in Tampa. And I started screaming. I mean, just screaming. I was so excited. And this Aww. is what we were just having one. We didn't even know we were having <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah, that's, that's so my favorite cool. gift ever. Yeah, Aww. by far, by far my favorite gift. Yeah. And the very last question is, what are you extremely grateful for right now? My husband. His name's Kevin, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, well, Eugenia, it's been a great pleasure and a lot of fun. It's nice seeing your face. <laughs> you too. You too. Thank you for joining me, Heather Davies and Eugenia for this week's episode of Meneer's Muse. If you would like to reach out to us, please find the show notes for my email address or find us on Instagram. Be sure to subscribe to Meneer's Muse for updates. I'll see you next week, warriors.